out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes into the various people, places, things, and concepts from the galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm about to be schooled with my fellow TV watcher, Ross. Mac, you nailed it. That was beautiful. We're no no extra thus in there. Just we only had to do one take. Just imagine, you season nailed two, it. by the time we get to season three and I change the opening... I'll have this one mastered. You will. That's how it works. When our theme song changes, we have to change with it. Oh, no. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah. No, we're using Augie's Big Band forever. I, I think that it's, music it's gets a me celebration of yeah. what we're starting. Yeah, the most whistles out of any Star Wars song in our intro. And we are celebrating something today because we are finally going to start yes. dipping some of our toes into the world of Star Wars television. Yeah, Star we Wars haven't hit it screen. very much, have we? Not a whole lot. We've, yeah. I mean, it's come up enough. It. Yeah, but... Uh, tonight, we're doing something a little different as well, because not only are we talking about Star Wars TV for really the first time in any detail, we're also talking about an entire episode of The Clone Wars in great detail. Our first episode breakdown, review, walkthrough, nah, breakdown. Yeah, I, like I don't breakdown. think review is the right way. Uh, no, because we're not judging uh, it. Um, yeah. Though, uh, you know, we could. Um, yeah, we we'll will. find out. You find out if we, we review it. Um, yeah. But it's... It's our first um, complete walkthrough of an episode yeah. of Clone Wars. Fully spoil the entire thing. Yes. Okay. So we're going to be talking about the episode of Clone Wars titled Water War, season four, episode one. And we're going to tell mm -hmm. you all about it, the plot, the characters, everything that happens and why we love it. Then we're going to head on over to Navarro and talk about whistling birds. Yes. The new yeah. weapon from the Mandalorian. Yeah. Max they... says I'm not allowed to whistle on mic, but good news is I can't. No, you can't. Can't. We'll keep working on it. So, uh, no problems there. And then finally, we're going to talk about another character from the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. the mighty, the uh, shall we say legendary, yeah, the uh, a fixture of the Jedi Order, master. What do you call someone who's incredibly smart, who's the all 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 knowing, all knowledgeable? The omniscient. The the omniscient is good. Yeah. The 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 best GD lightsaber droid smith ever. Huang. Huang. So you probably don't know a lot about Huang if you've never watched the Clone Wars. Uh, stick around. He's pretty rad. Yeah, and he's just a fascinating add to Star Wars. In fact, all of this stuff is a fascinating building the universe and making it bigger. And we're excited to show you and talk about some of the really cool things we found in all this that makes Star Wars an even cooler place to hang out. Oh, yes, we do. And I'm very excited. Mac, how long do you think we'll talk about Water War? So Water War, we're going to be just a little bit under an hour, probably about 45 minutes to an hour cool. is I think what we're planning. What about Whistling Birds? You think we'll do that one quick? It'll be pretty quick. There's not a lot to talk about, unfortunately. All right. And, and then uh, Huang, what, maybe 15 to 20? Eh, probably around there. Give, give or take? That sounds about right. All right. I don't know. We always guesstimate on these things. Hopefully I'm in the ballpark. Yeah, we like to. We don't like to set a limit. I haven't had to go back and re-record a different time yet, so, yeah, we're, so we're far we've been in the ballpark. We are working on adding links. Someone showed me, uh, one of our listeners, thank you, John, showed me oh. that you can add like time code links in the description Ooh, of a podcast okay. that if you tap, it automatically takes you to that time in the show for like chapter headings. All right. Well, don't uh, hold your breath so for that. So working on it. Yeah. We're going to go figure that out. But yeah, I have no idea like how. to bring that to you if we can. Yeah. We, we're doing a little bit of digging. So we'll see if that comes out. Well, we'll thank John. But for the and moment, if it doesn't, just know it was too much work for Mac or out of care. <laughs> <laughs> so we 
may get there, but for the first part, just my take time. For the next 45 minutes, yeah. join us as we look at the Clone Wars episode, Water War, which is coming on to you right after this. seas of Moncala. The people are under attack from their neighbors, the Quarren. You got a crazy shark guy leading the Separatist side. You got Anakin Padme leading the Republic side and a whole bunch of fish people in the middle. There's betrayal. Mm-hmm. There's love, I guess. There's action. There's Moments of sadness and sorrow. Really, it's just a whole journey that you go on in this 22-minute episode of The Clone Wars. Mac, tonight we're talking about Water War. Now, don't worry. As much as I want to call it Water World, I'm not going to make the mistake. The name of the episode is Water War. So this is Clone Wars Season 4, Episode 1. Yep. And we're going to do something new that we haven't done before. We are going to take an episode of the Clone Wars and break it down, uh, not necessarily minute by minute, but we will be going through the entire episode. So spoilers beware. This is the first episode of a trilogy of episodes at the beginning of Season 4 of the Clone right. Wars that uh, is really, really cool and interesting, uh, especially to me. And uh, I think Mac likes this one, too. So we're going to tell you why in a minute. But I want to give you a second here. If you haven't watched The Clone Wars and you don't want to have the setup for a pretty cool three-episode arc spoiled for you, this might not be the topic for you. Still worth watching, though. Even And if, you... if you're one of those people that listens to spoilers even after spoiler alerts, by all means, we're only going to talk about the first part. So yeah, there are two other parts that happen after this one. That's so, true. Uh, and uh, they're pretty good, too. So if you're looking for spoilers, we're not going to give you them all. All right. Well, Mac, I think, is that fair enough warning? I think so. All right. Awesome. So here's how we're going to frame this. We are going to literally go through the episode detail by detail. I know I have my notes kind of time stamped. I've watched yeah. this episode twice in maybe the last two weeks or so. So I did watch it again uh, today before we recorded just to kind of refresh myself again. Uh, the reason we're doing this is really because we want to talk about the Clone Wars, we want to talk about Rebels, we want to talk about Resistance, we want to talk about The Mandalorian, and we've already pulled in some characters from some of these different shows, from these diff- uh, different aspects of Star Wars, yep. but we want to get more diverse in our topics and the way we present them, and uh, we think doing an entire episode breakdown, this isn't part of a, you know, an overall series, we're not going to do an episode of Clone Wars every week, or, you know, not even going to do an episode of a TV show, probably all that often, but it is something that we're going to try out and see yeah. uh, how it goes. 
Uh, much like we did um, when we did um, Death Troopers, where we yes. kind of desire, divide, uh, took a whole book and broke it down. These more bite-sized parts of Star Wars, like an episode of a TV or an arc of a TV show. We feel that's something that we can do, whereas doing an entire commentary in one of the movies is maybe a little more complex. So yeah, maybe we could build up to that someday. Yeah, but, maybe one uh, day. For the moment. Not I, in the normal feed. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> a 22-minute episode of A Clone Wars can be a nice maybe hour-long or so topic. We'll see. We have no idea how long we're going to talk. That's true. It's going to be interesting. We really, it could be crazy. Yeah, I have a, I have a, what we, what we're aiming for. We'll see where if we get there. <laughs> All right. Well, every Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars episode starts out with a little crawl, but it's a crawl that's different than in your normal Star Wars mm-hmm. film because it's generally just a little bit of advice, a little saying. So, Mac, you told me an interesting fact about these. What are these called? Yeah, during production, they were often referred to as fortune cookies. Because what they were supposed to be was like Yoda-esque wisdom, but usually truncated down to a very small section that yeah. usually elevates the theme of the episode. So like you said, they're little little just wisdom yeah. nuggets, which where do we most commonly find those? Inside the heart of a fortune yeah. cookie, hence why they got that name. So I love this because, one, they're so simplified. Yes. You know, they're the message of Star Wars. Star Wars generally is a inclusive inviting anyone can succeed type of story and these little messages are great you know in front of a i mean a children's program you know an animated children's program to uh you know just be a little bit of positivity and i don't think kids are getting that from every tv show so definitely appreciate that and i love reading them myself you know there's some i'll take a picture of or write down you know to try and add to my uh repertoire of sayings later on so definitely like them well here in this episode the uh, the little saying goes, when destiny calls, the chosen have no choice. Mm. And that's very much a theme in this episode. We'll talk about it. But, I mean, that's a pretty big theme across all of Star Wars. Well, like we said, since we're playing in the, the deep end of, like, myth, legend, fantasy, you know, these are the fables that we carry stories forward. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising each one of these episodes has, again, this sort of thematic banner or you know what they kind of are? They're like the moral of like what's going on, like the the kind of ooey gooey center of the meat and bones here. Yeah, totally. And um, and that one fits because I mean, uh, let's start going into it. I mean, at the very beginning of the of this episode, we get um Tom Kane coming in as Admiral Yularen. I don't know if he's <laughs> supposed to be Canon Yularen or if he's just supposed to be a narrator at this point, but he always sets the scene a little bit so that in a 22 minute episode we don't need all the exposition we can drop right in yeah sometimes we pick up on a story that's already started and i absolutely love that i mean star wars is known for that we do that all the time it's faster and more intense than any other storytelling that's right that's right because this starts with us setting up the politics on the planet mon calamari are in danger right now because the king of the mon cal has been killed and we see him with a (laughs) huge dagger jammed right in his back floating. floating Oh, it's that, it's pretty that vicious. That dude got ice cold killed. He did. He did. We won't give away the surprise for what happened there. Uh, but you know what's funny, Mac? So as I was watching the episode, I was writing down and I wrote down that intro overlay, the voiceover. But then I realized that Wikipedia has them. So <laughs> I won't have to do that extra work in the future. Oh, but really? I do want to read this one since we're here. Yeah. Uh, Water Wars. <gasps> Explanation point. <laughs> Tensions run high on the ocean world of Mon Calamari, where two separate peoples, the aggressive squid-like Quarren and their peaceful neighbor, the Mon Calamari, struggle to maintain a fragile coexistence. 
Adding to the strife, the king of the Mon Calamari has been found mysteriously murdered, leaving his young son, Prince Lee Char, to guide his people alone. But the Quarren race will not accept the new ruler as their king. Senator Amidala and her Jedi bodyguard have arrived to help resolve the matter and to avoid plunging the planet into civil war. And so, like I said, there's just these little nice vignettes that are going on during that. We, we yes. see Prince Lee Char. We kind of get to see who he's going to be. be. We um, hear when Senator Amidala and her Jedi bodyguard, <coughs> husband, um, <laughs> land to the planet. And I love how, like, the Venerator class Star Destroyer just kind of comes, parks over the water, opens the door and says, get out. <laughs> and they just jump. They swan yep. dive in, which it looks right. But I'm just thinking of, like, as a nerd with ships, I'm like, that's like doing like a 120 foot dive. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like Anakin could probably do it because of his training, but I don't, I don't see Amadella on the lakes of Naboo getting that kind of training. <laughs> she definitely does some swimming, but oh, yeah, she does. that's intense. It's, but like, it's one of those, it's too intense. Cause it's like, well, if we put this, if we put the Star Destroyer any lower, it's going to clip in the water. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> well, maybe the, the suits they wear, I didn't look this up. Maybe they have some sort of technology. Oh, that could be. That makes it. They, I mean, those have, helmets are pretty wait, wait, wait. advanced. They have some. It doesn't act make real sense. Don't think of real physics in Star Wars land stuff, as we'll get to when. Yes, they definitely when, do. Uh, one of them malfunctions essentially. That's not what Star Wars is about, for sure. It's sci fantasy, not science fiction. Yes, very much so. Um, but yeah, we get to see them kind of jump in. We get to start seeing um, the the Koreans and the Moncal, which that's yeah. been in the EU forever. That yeah. the Moncal has coexist with these. Um, with the Quarren and that they've always been a little bit adversarial to each other, not outright hostile usually, but very having problems sharing the same room, you know, roommate painting down the line in the middle of the apartment kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. They, they had been unified, but it, uh, you know, it's tough when you got a new King and you got the separatists really pushing for this which is what we really find out this is so i like the fact that they so the next kind of scene we see is a uh a basically a um proceeding a political proceeding yeah so it's the senate chamber but smaller yeah and the Koreans are basically just saying like hey look the kid's fine but we're not gonna follow him he's like nine we're not gonna follow a nine-year-old king a quarren king it's time for a quarren king yeah and, and uh, let's just real quick describe the Quarren. So they have these brown faces, these brownish yellow faces, orange, yeah. kind of like a triangle shaped head, but with two tentacles then hanging down and almost a little snout in the middle. Yeah, because they got like three grasping teeth, three or four grasping teeth right around. There. Yeah, yeah. And they're very good swimmers, just like the Mon Cala. Yeah, because the Mon Calamari are sort of vaguely fish-like. Yeah. And in the same way, the Koreans are vaguely squid-like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they're but, both but they're... used to their underwater environment. They both live fully underwater. Yeah. And so we we, we see this space that is, you know, this is before Aquaman. We're, we're starting to see, <laughs> like, what does an underwater world look like? So one thing I love about this is you basically never see chairs, because if you float in the water, why would you need to sit down? Like all the seating is more like a rail you grab onto than it yeah. is like a chair because they're floating. Yeah. <laughs> um. The, all the spaces are very open mm-hmm. and like, you know, again, meant for people to swim around and gather rather yes. than like 
again, parks somewhere. Yes. Gra- so, gravity has less sway down here. <laughs> to- so none of the native species need any sort of breathing mass or breathers or anything. Now, pa- uh, Padme and Anakin do have... Right. As, these... as these arguments are going on, we see that yeah. Padme and Anakin are there and they've got these beautiful very 1950s kind of spacesuits because they got the big bubble helmets this big thick collar that bubbles every once in a while and then they've got these generally skin type frogmen suits with indian flippers yes they're very very cool yeah and Uh, they're a nice throwback they make a clone wars there's a clone wars figure from the clone wars line of anakin in that in the with the helmet yeah it's not too pricey i've looked it's not too bad he can get them pretty easily um, and so we kind of see that they're sort of sitting on the sidelines, just yeah. kind of watching this. And yeah. we find that the reason they're here is because Captain Akbar yes. basically invited the Republic to help negotiate this yes. transition. And because of that, the separatists have stepped in to back the Quarren. Now, the real reason we're seeing this is because the Quarren are, you know, on a Republic occupied planet. Yes. So the separatists see this as a way to sort of overthrow the Republic overthrow the ruling species put the quorum ceremoniously in power is kind of what they think is happening yeah. here yeah, the quorum thinks that the separatists have their best interest and that the republic is only here to basically force them to bend knee to this new king <laughs> yes and like i like that it gives it a real political tension it absolutely does but then <laughs> and this is only a minute into the episode i oh, want to yeah. point this out a minute 20 into the episode, we're introduced to a new character. So Padme and Anakin are here representing the, the Republic. Republic. So the, the Separatists, the separatists need, need someone. Yeah. And we are underwater, so what would be the best thing to send? Well, probably someone who's, uh, at least his home planet is probably, yeah. you know, yeah. used to be in an, a yeah. water world. Yeah, they were going to do the Gungans, but they're on the side of the Republic. So, so Gungans won't work. So what planet hmm. has Separatist control and also a completely hmm. aquatic environment? Perhaps maybe... A shark planet? A shark planet. What? Okay. So can I tell you that during my recent Clone Wars rewatch, when I uh, got to this moment and I remembered this character, uh, I immediately said we are going to talk about this episode (laughs) because I am so excited to talk about Riff Tamson. Commander Riff Tamson. <laughs> so, this is a uh, a shark man. Yes. There's no better way to put it. He's as much a shark person as the Moncal are fish people yeah. and the Quarians are squid okay, people. Okay, so think the shape of water, but he's blue. Mm-hmm. He's got a shark head. And it's, and it, we should state, not like a hammerhead, like a traditional great white where like yeah, right it's above, very snouty. like we're almost almost where his forehead is, the way his head is kind of jolted yeah. up, is that sharp point you think of as like the this the point of the front of a shark, like a bow of a ship that they have. Yes, totally. Yes, it's almost like if someone took a shark took a shark's face, bent it forward ninety degrees, yeah, and then basically. added a, a human body that was like had some fins and stuff. Yeah, and he is a Carcodian. Yes, and he, wait. Carcarid? Wait, hold on, right. hold on, hold on. We have it. We have it. Carcoidon. All right. You're, that's the stab you're taking. That sounds That's right. the stab I'm taking. All right. It's okay. It's not Carcaridon. pronounced. Carcaridon. Carcaridon. I'm sure it's some playoff of a cool word that means shark. Caracodon. Caracodon? There is, yeah, there's something with, with great white sharks like that. Well, know. okay. Let's just take a second. Sharks. Let's park for one second. 
you and by extension your family is obsessed with sharks yeah we think sharks are pretty cool and the entire time i've known you you've just been a mark for sharks yeah i am i'm a sucker for shark things and uh, if you give me a nice pair of shorts with sharks on them i'm about it you give me a, a shark shirt in any way you give me any uh any jaws theme merch i'm in uh so as soon as you give me a shark in star wars you like and he's that's evil, going on the podcast and he can swim fast he he's does pretty swim fast. rad and he's he got quite straight up murders too. people with his jaw. Oh my goodness! But we'll he get does. to that. Let's not. All right, I'm getting too so excited. He's here to represent the fact that the separatists are no, no. But he's great because he's this menacing figure. But he comes off at least initially like I'm only here because you're here. Yeah, we wanted to make sure these proceedings were fair, and it is time for the Koreans to ascend because you are not giving them recognition. You're telling them this child should be doing this. That's the Republic yeah. has no business here. Yeah. Well, what's, I mean, here's the thing. I think we definitely, and this, I guess in a way gets into the future episodes, but also the very end of this episode. Yeah. I don't think the Quarren are necessarily looking for this uprising. They're just looking to feel represented in the selection of a new King because yeah. they were ruling, like they were happy under the last King. Under Lee Char's father. It's just with all the political turmoil around yeah. around the universe, plus, again, the kid's nine. Yeah. The kid's a little ki- He's- Wait, he's nine? No, I don't- I Oh, no okay. Idea. That's I'm, not- I'm just giving- I'm He just seems giving, more like a like, like a late teen, like it's 17, uh, 18, 19 I year think, old. I don't think he's that old. I okay. would say he's- I would say he's like maybe 12 to 14 if I'm uh, actually trying okay. to okay. Like, that makes a lot more sense, He reminds me of like too. the last emperor of China. Like the idea of like, yeah. well, you're the bloodline, so you're the one that's lead them. It's like, cool, I'm just getting out of middle school and starting high school. Well, yeah, but you'll figure it out. <laughs> right? Like they, they, they acknowledge that most of the Mon Cal are like, yeah, we're following this because it's the way the bloodlines go. But even we're not sure you can do what you need to do, kid. He does not have, as far as I can tell, a canon age, a, uh, an age. Yes, yes. But let's just put it this way. He is a youth. He is not an adult. Too young to lead. Yeah. Too young to lead. And so, like, you can even see this in yeah. Captain Akbar, because Captain Akbar, who, like, just just about goes and across the aisle to punch Rift Hampson in the face. He does. <laughs> and it goes like, no, no politics. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about this is is you have all of these underwater species just acting so normal that they're having this conversation underwater. It's just so neat to see. Everybody's just like slowly treading water and kicking their legs. And uh, even with all this political turmoil happening, they're all just kind of floating in it. It's kind of fun. I really like it. Well, they sell a water world really, really well. And we'll talk about all the different ways they do that. But I think the first thing that's super interesting about it is no episode of Clone Wars, I think, has you have to think about three dimensions as much as this episode. Because mm-hmm. even in this, like, this, again, political room, like, people are at different levels, like, yeah. visually. It's not all just, like, locked on a plane. Yeah, like, we totally. could have been sitting in seats. Like, we're floating at different heights all yeah. around because water. Yeah, we, totally. We would. Uh, yeah. And so things basically dissolve and the Quarians basically yeah. just go like, well, if you're not going to help us, we're going to leave. Yeah. We're going to go talk to the separatists and we're going to we're going to yeah. see wh- what we're going to do. And they all start leaving. And then there's one reasonable Quarian who kind of comes over to the prince and is just like, you know, you know, your your father was a good ally and fr- friend, you know. Oh, I'm sorry it's come to this. And, and, and you know, and like basically can being a politician in a good way of like, like, I'm sorry for your loss. I wish things were different and I don't blame you. Your dad yeah. was great. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to go with the Separatists now, but... Yeah. I think very much just hammering home, like, this is happening due to Separatist manipulation. Yes. First the Koreans are not... The Koreans are easily talked into this, but they're not seeking it. Yeah, we're not meant to think of them as... Bad guys. As evil as the Separatists, I feel like. Yeah. Very oh. good. So, uh, after this meeting... The Jedi are concerned. Anakin is concerned. So he places a call back to the council. The council says, well, we got reinforcements for you. Wait, wait, wait. This is a separatist plot. This reeks of Dooku. Yeah. Um, we're sending an entire clone detachment. Yeah. Uh, Anakin, your Padawan Ahsoka is going to come and Kit freaking Fisto is going to be sent your way too. Yeah. But it, it's funny. And, and in all seriousness, so it is funny to see this because there's so many themes of failure in Star Wars. And yes. one of the greatest failures at all, it's, you know, been hammered home lately, is uh, the Jedi Council as a whole failed. I mean, they did. Right? Yoda admits that they failed in episode three. And I mean, they failed. Right? That's the whole point of this well, story. The thing about it is they got focused on the moment of trying to win this right. war, forgetting that they're not, they're peacekeepers. Exactly. They're not supposed to be fighting a war. So my point being here, right, here we have this Republic-controlled planet, this Republic-allied world. And instantly, they're like, yep, we're going to send you Ahsoka. We're going to send you Kid Fisto. We're going to send you a whole array of troopers ready to roll, right? Yeah, an entire right. Star Destroyer of troopers. Yeah, at. but as soon as it's a neutral planet, they're like, nah, sorry, we're spread too thin. Like, I did kind of find that funny. Yeah. And, like, it makes perfect sense. It's it, like... Well, no, no, it, it, it's, but it's showing it's, again being it's dragged, perfect. Yeah. being dragged into the muck of a war because yeah. why are they fighting for Moncal? Because it's too strategic to lose. Right. And I love and I love that a TV show like this thinks about it. That's my point is I think it's just this really well done of politics that everyone says they hate in the prequels, but oh, done man. swiftly. So you get yeah. the political edge. But we don't dwell on it. We don't spend the whole rest of the episode. I don't talking know. About I, it. I think there's a nice amount of. I wish there was more politics in the sequel trilogy like there was in the prequels. Let's put it that way. Especially well, again, in Clone Wars seven. gives you that. I mean, yeah. when you go to like the Separatist Parliament in the one episode, you're like, oh, we're going to learn about the other political yeah, system. That's Wait, we're going to real. Yeah, this is wild. It is wild. But that's right. the that was the great thing about Star Wars coming to TV is we had the time to let this stuff breathe and go anywhere. Yeah. And in Clone Wars, we go everywhere. We do. And it's if if you haven't seen it, that is the most ringing endorsement I can make is Clone Wars just expands the galaxy so much. And if you're a person like me who struggled to get by some of the animation for the first couple, you know, yeah, it's at times I attempted to watch it. What it worked for me is I just kind of I treat it less like a TV show that I'm sitting there binging and I treat it more like an event. I, you know, turn the lights down, get the TV on. I don't watch it on my phone ever unless I'm yeah. doing research for the show. Uh, you know, I, I, I sit down and I'm like, OK, today I'm going to watch one arc of episodes or I'm going to watch, you know, five episodes worth of content, whatever sure. it is. And just treating it more like an event made it easier for me to look past some of the animation choices yeah. and just see the picture they're painting. Like some of the most beautiful shots in the Clone Wars are episodes like this where they're creating these vast worlds that you're seeing uh we'll talk about more of this well, cause later because i have some more well, i want to add well but. right now we're talking about like the fact like the next kind of thing we see is the mon Cal kind of getting ready for the fact that this is yes. going to probably become a war and we see all these people going through these tubes. oh i love this so much they have highways they have yeah. water highways so think like pneumatic tubes at a bank kind of like, like futurama sh shoot them whole, through whole network yeah, they're I've never like, seen Futurama. Oh, well, Futurama mm, has, has the idea of what if we could send people by pneumatic tubes. Same idea. <laughs> I like Except that for, idea. Uh, 
it reminds me of Futurama in the sense like of it's this three-dimensional grid yeah. of all these hamster, you know, tunnels. Yeah, okay. All connected. And yeah, they have some sort of either pneumatic or, or probably like more of like a jet stream. Like yeah. a, and you see like um Cap- Captain Akbar kick flipping like to get through, but he's going way faster than he's pedaling. So there's something that's accelerating him through these tubes. Yes, he's it's going- like a current. Yeah, it's yeah. a current. That's yeah. the way I would think of it. So they're literally these like super structured tubes that are so cool. Oh, I'm into it. And it just makes sense of how they get across all the space. And we see him end up uh, where the uh, senator and Anakin are talking to the prince and the ambassador, the Republic ambassador from Moncal. And yeah, basically. Akbar's like, we have to go to war. It's a trap. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. actually, I don't think he actually gives us the line. He, he doesn't say it's a trap here. Basically, Lee Cha is, is trying to figure out what to do because he's in charge. And basically the crux of all of this, because really it's all three episodes, is people believe he's not ready to re- lead. Akbar is basically trying to say, no, you are ready. The people need to see you leading. They need to see you out there as part of this. Anakin believes it's not safe. They have a senator that's kind of pushing and pulling back and forth as well, telling him, like, no, you need to be safe. You know, there are time to run and all that. And they go through all these different moments. But basically, the whole point of this little interaction here is that Lee Char is not afraid to take feedback. He's not some, like, hot-headed ruler. He's trying to learn and to get better. He's trying to be a good leader. And they really hammer that home. Like, we're only five minutes into the movie. And we see what or episode, sorry, and we see what kind of person he is. Well, there's this great thing where where you see the senator is kind of a little bit coddling and saying like, "It is the right of our people. It is the rule of our people. He shall rule us, rule us now." Everyone needs to recognize that. And the prince is like, "Well, yeah, I I I I will do the best I can." And Akbar's like, "Like, listen, you're a kid. I need to run this, so, Captain. He is the supreme leader of our military forces, and you'll follow his orders." And Akbar basically takes this as a Okay, here's a gun, kid. Join me on the battlefield. Yeah. If you're going to lead, you're going to lead yeah. the way I do, by example. Yeah. And from well, the rest of the trilogy on, yeah. Akbar is trying to mentor him by basically kicking him in the butt all the time of like, get out there. In a way, yes. But I want to talk. We'll talk about that in a minute because yeah. there'll be another. Yes, I agree with you mostly, but I do want to add one caveat to that. Yeah. But we'll come to that because there's a story beat with it shortly. Sure, sure. So we uh, then go over. We see the separatist planning. So we see Temsin basically on the hollow with Count Dooku basically saying like, hey, you know, we're manipulating the core in here. Uh, when this is all over, Tamsin, you're in charge and the shark people will rule all. And the shark guy's like, nice. Yeah, he's into it. Well, yeah, we, we can basically get the fact that while we think there's this battle between the Koreans and the Moncal, which there is. Yes, it is a separatist plot. Yes, Dooku's behind it. And yes, they are planning to take over and subjugate the planet. And it's not that the Quarren don't know that Dooku's involved. They're not know the separatists are asking for something in return. But they They feel more like they're going to back us and then we're going to join their war effort. Not not, this shark dude's going to rule over all of us. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, So next up. We have a speech coming from Prince Lee Cha about how he is dedicated. He wants to lead these people. He wants to be the best he can. Yes. But while this is happening, the Quarren attack with the Separatists. So the Prince, you know, is basically back and, you know, they're kind of like the, the forces are coming in. Anakin sees them coming. And it's basically like, a, what do we do? Do we, you know, kind of hold the line until the reinforcements arrive from the Republic? Or do we go out and fight? 
And it's basically, you know, an argument about what the prince should do. And then eventually he pushes them forward. He pushes them out to fight. And then we have a cool little battle scene. So it's the mm-hmm. Quarren and the Separatists. And they have aqua droids. Yes, they now, do. Let's talk about how much these look like they're out of a Terminator film. Well, like especially T3. Okay, like I see what you're saying. Up, these are Terminators. So the thing that we're starting to see that this episode does very well is, like I said, you see this three-dimensionality because they're coming from above and sweeping down at the city, yeah. and the city is basically looking up with their like lance blasters and just starting to shoot defensively. Of course, it does have one thing I thought was kind of like a little, oh, like a little on the nose. He's like, I don't believe that the Koreans will attack. The prince is like, faith that democracy will rule. And then basically Akbar looks over and is like, they're attacking. <laughs> yeah, it is right away. It's There's like hardly any nuance to that. And what's We're sweet, like five and a half, six minutes into the episode right now. I just want to say a lot has happened already. And what's sweeping down is basically <laughs> modified super battle droids. Oh, whose, they're so whose cool. Whose feet have been replaced by these water drills like you see on the back yeah. of like uh submarines they look like knife blades yeah like they look so sleek and so shiny because they're that same silverish gray mm-hmm. as the super battle droids uh, i mean very close to it but yeah they have different heads and i'm telling you it's like the t1 in terminator no, 3 I, you I, know the I, big I tank it's, yeah it's like that a little bit it's got more of a centered face uh, but beyond but still that still all shoulder yeah <laughs> no neck I, I gotta say these aqua droids are rad and i think what i like about them is they're they're a new asset like they have a different weapon system than we saw and then we see they're supported by quarians who also have their own sort of like almost wrist mounted blasters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then these like four clawed kind of like blaster they almost have like a four clawed bayonet on some of them and we start seeing them hit each other. Yeah, and, and it's a small and, skirmish at first, but it's rad. And the and the prince is like trying to figure out of like, oh crap, this has happened. I guess we got to lead our people, people. And you see like um, Akbar going like, all right, we need to get out there. And Anakin's like, no, we need to protect the prince because he can't just go into battle on the front lines. And Akbar's like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he, well, he wants to lead the, his people. Let's lead his people. So the prince is credited. First, he's like, hold the line. Yeah. But then he grabs the cool underwater weapon. And boy, do the Mon From Cala a dead one. have awesome weapons. Those, yeah, those like the Mon- Yeah, so they're like sticks that shoot lasers. They're they're rad because they're so unique, but so got, similar at the same and time. And they've got those nice kind of creamy color organic curves we're used to from like Mon Calamari ships yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, they're great. And and the prince has looked over and he basically sees one of the Mon Cal just get taken out. He oh. just gets shot and like spins half backwards uh, yeah. from the blast. And that's sort of how he ends up grabbing the lance and getting like serious about the fact of like, this is a war. People are dying. My yeah. people are dying. <laughs> Meanwhile, shark guys over there tearing people oh apart. My God, Tamsin is so evil. Oh man, he's just vicious. He can go. He. We find out later. He can go as fast as the underwater speeders that they have. He flies. So you see him like coming up like a traditional shark and just ripping people apart with his jaw. Well, that's the crazy part is most of the stuff that he's doing is biting the hell out of people. Yeah, it's vicious. It's and 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 they make it really brutal. All of his attacks are very fast and very boom dead. Like there's no subtlety to him at all, which makes him feel one of the more threatening villains, I think, in all of Clone Wars. Yeah, because he's just straight up destroying people. 
And we're all getting to the point where like, I don't know how we're going to survive this. Well, that's when Lee Char comes up with his plan mm-hmm. of using the waterways, the tubes we saw earlier to flank the droids. Smart plan, right? He's trying something. Yep. So they get out there, but then they get separated because a giant rock falls yep. uh, off of a, str- you know, it breaks off of a, like a cliffside and crashes and destroys the tunnel. And it cuts off Anakin and Padme. From when the soldiers from Ahsoka, no, I'm sorry. No, you're right. I think you got a little bit off. Am I a little off there? Because I think they basically decide we just got to hold out till reinforcements, and I think that's when we see reinforcements land. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm skipping around a little okay. bit. I'm skipping around. I wasn't looking in my notes. That's so what I get. They for basically to go off imply the that the Mon Cal have to just hold out against the Quarian assault. Yeah. And they're doing their best. They're doing yeah. their, their their dangdest, but they need those reinforcements. And we cut yeah. back to the water line yeah. where we see another venerator come in yeah. and then a whole bunch of LATs like just yeah. sailing over full yeah. of scuba, scuba troops. troopers. I was only like 30 seconds ahead. Literally all I no, no, was the description. Now it, I'm realizing. It moves really fast. It does. But, but there's a lot of scuba troopers. Oh, man. They're big so rebreathers attached to the front of them. They're so cool. They have flippers and they look awesome. And you and see Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's got like her, her frog suit. But then because of her, like the horns she has as a Taruga, basically her face mask is just sort of clamped onto her face. Yeah. Like it doesn't cover her whole head because it doesn't need to. Yeah. And then Kit Fist is like, take my shirt. I'm ready to go. Yeah. He just, he, we find out he's also a native underwater guy. Yeah. Because he just jumps in, man. His, his head tails are flowing and. And they're just grabbing these like almost, they almost are referencing the design of uh, the Jedi Starfighter. These kind of curved pointed. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, essentially, uh, what do they call those uh, scuba mo- motors? Basically an underwater motor that you hold on yeah. to and it drags you through the, the ocean. So the spe- scuba speeders or whatever. Scuba speeders will call. And they just sure. start descending down. And then oh, we cut yeah. back to the Mon Cal and they're like, I don't know how much longer we can hold out. Then zap, zap, zap. Here comes the clones. And, uh-huh. and this battle starts getting turned. And it's a huge, large scale it's battle. Amazing and how it's big it is. gorgeous because it's so dark underwater. You can only see like the shadows and the faint lights from the structures. And then just these brilliant bolts of energy, oh, red yeah. and blue, headed back and uh-huh. forth. And as they go through the water, you're just seeing them all. And it's it's really, really rad. Yeah. And so now this brings us to where I was talking about a second ago. So Anakin loses his helmet. Yes, fighting he does. Off some, fighting the off some aqua droids. Because we yep. the aqua... Be, well... No, it's Corians because the Corians basically say, hey, that guy's got a helmet. If we break oh, that helmet, he's going to yeah, die. That's right. And that's the one right. basically gets him in a headlock. And yes. when he when he throws his turns his lightsaber on behind him to kill that guy, yes. the one in front of him basically hits him, causing the body that's got him in the headlock to twist yeah. the helmet off. Yeah. And then Anakin's like just <gasps> and holds a breath, yeah. murders that dude and then starts chasing after the helmet, which is quickly descending into an abyss. Yeah. And at this point, more of the more aqua droids show up and he's, and just, he's just trying to deflect and fight. And Ahsoka saves the day. <laughs> Swings down, grabs the helmet with her scuba speeder, comes up, up gives it to him, go, goes, how you doing, Sky Guy? <laughs> and he puts it on, clicks it on, and you see it drain out, and then him, <gasps> and grab a breath of air, and he's just like, I, I had it, Snips. <laughs> All under control. 
<laughs> I somehow knew you were going to say and she that. She goes, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it gives them the it's attitude. It's a great little yeah. little banter. It shows them. that they've essentially grown into their relationship. Like right. we're coming into season four here, which I don't want to say it's when Clone Wars really takes a huge turn into kind of the story. It it follows through but the last two seasons of clone wars they've found themselves yeah they're no longer going uh, is this how they would react like we're the, the yes. dust is settled we know how right. our primary ahsoka's grown into a person of her own not just a padawan well, anymore. perfect example I think is a good way to put it this episode she was on some other mission before this she's already working as a commander with yeah. her general yeah yes absolutely uh, okay, so this is where after Ahsoka uh, gives Anakin his helmet, rescues him, he orders her go save the prince, and she goes to the underwater t- underwater tunnel where now Riff Tamsin mm-hmm. is giving chase, and this is where we see he's as fast as a speeder. So they're inside the tubes, he's yeah. outside the tube following them, and he's trying to bash his way in Jaws three style, just yeah. ramming it. Just ramming his head, yeah, and and it's it's awesome because they're like, oh, we're safe in here, but then Aqua Droids come about, and Ahsoka takes the speeder and rams it into them, so they blow up, and then this is where he Tamsin again just comes up from the bottom shark style, and just starts hitting the glass, and eventually he breaks through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing: this is one of my most questionable moments in all of the Clone Wars. <laughs> So this shark guy, he breaks through the glass tube and he's just got his head, his neck stuck through up to his shoulders, just thrashing around, trying to reach them. Snapping his jaws. Yeah. And Ahsoka sort of pulls the prince back a little bit, but just a a quick flick of that saber right through his head and he's done. And she just and she just doesn't. And I feel the narratives there is two reasons. One, it's hard to be cold blooded like that especially when you're trying to be a protector, especially when there's someone to protect. Yeah. And last but not least, the freaking shark dude just broke through some freaking transparent steel. What the hell is this thing? I'm not, what, what? I, mean, I think I, it's just tilt. I just think it's like, whoa, how did he even do that? Yeah, like and he's so just shocked nothing he's but there. Teeth. He's just teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it uh, it works out because some other Mon Cala go and, uh, you know, protect the prince and, and uh, uh, Riff Tamsin abandons Chase. Yeah. And we kind of start seeing that they all start kind of falling back. Yes. So there is a retreat with the droids retreating into the coral. Mm hmm. But we do see new drop ships arriving. Man, does this episode move yep. with new weapons? And they are described as half machine, half monster. They are invincible. The Hydroid Medusas. <laughs> and these things are pretty cool, but I love how passive they are. So they're like giant jellyfish. And I'm Death talking jellyfish. like giant, giant. Like They are massive. They're building size. Yeah, they're humongous. And the tops of them are like these yellow, transparent, encased, almost like lights slash yeah, scaffolding type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And um, basically, they just get sent into the war zone, and they're not really actively attacking you, but if they touch you, you die. It's like jellyfish stings. Yeah. So uh, it's very serious. And we see clones. Oh, it's not pleasant. It doesn't go well for them. No, it doesn't. Uh, So this is about, we're about 15 minutes into the episode now, and as the second assault, you know, arrives, um, essentially... 
the Mon Cala get attacked from below by the Quarren. Yep. Right? So the, the Hydroid Medusas are there to deceive them, to distract them, and the Quarren and the droids come up from below. And again, the three-dimensionality of this. that yes. The fact that they're all looking out at these the Medusas and don't realize that they can be attacked from below. Yes. It's and great. it works. And it works. Basically, the, the Mon Calamari are first forced to retreat into the caves. And as they're going down, it's so cool because it's so dark. It but is. They, they make sure that like, the water is so dark because there's no natural light. Yep. And it's just that attention to detail that's awesome because you see the lightsabers and the blaster bolts. But that's about it. They're basically yep. into an abyss. Uh, so it's really, really rad. And after this happens, you see Tamsin kind of asserting control over the Quarren leadership, basically saying, ah, I'm in charge here. Yeah, because the Quarren just basically just goes like, okay, well, the day is ours. Now we don't have to do anything. Do anything. We should pull ba- back. You will never give an order. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shark Man is in charge. Who's in charge? Shark Guy. Shark Guy. Uh, this cuts into the caves and we get the last little bit of information for this episode. This is Akbar to Prince uh, Lichar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a, a moral uh, here, a little moral of the story. So Lichar is basically saying we lost, we failed, you know, we, we retreated. I can't believe this. We should be out there fighting. And Akbar says to him, today you learn the hardest lesson a commander can learn, how to live to fight another day. Now, yeah. there are a couple of reasons that's nice. One, it's just nice to see Akbar mentoring someone, you know, yeah. and all that. It's it's nice to have this kid who wants to grow into his own, into his destiny, his role, right? right. Sometimes destiny is just forced upon you, as the opening line said, yeah, right? Yeah, because this is mostly referencing the prince, the the moral, the fortune cookie, because yeah. it's basically like, hey, you got to lead your people. Well, I'm not ready. I know, yeah. but guess what? <laughs> no. One thing I love about this now in current Star Wars context, not like when yeah, this episode yeah. came out, is this is very much, you know, the, uh, you know, you need to learn how, let me read it exactly, how to live to fight another day. And that's an important lesson that we learn in other Star Wars content too, right? Poe has to learn that lesson in The Last Jedi. Uh, the Rebels know, have to learn it when they're scattered from Hoth. Absolutely. Failure, failure, failure over and over again. And it's a really important Star Wars lesson, and those themes just repeat. And I think that's what makes The Clone Wars such a beautiful show, and it's, I think, why we chose to talk about this episode first. Uh, For me, at least, The the Clone Wars is a perfect representation of things Star Wars can be, because Mm -hmm. Star Wars isn't just one thing. We get so caught up on what is Star Wars, what feels like Star Wars. And to be honest with you, in my mind, the only person who can truly say this is Star Wars, this isn't Star Wars, is George Lucas. And since we're beyond that era of only having kind of that one person of saying, yes, this is or isn't Star Wars, we're at a point now where we have to trust each other that there are multiple types of Star Wars. You know, the reasons I came to Star Wars are not the reasons Mac came to Star Wars are not the yeah. reasons people's my parents age or, you know, people who are uh, two or three generations younger than me. You know, we all came to this for different reasons and we can have different types of stories available to us now. That yeah. is the best thing about this newest era of Star Wars is Disney is not afraid to produce content. You know, we've gotten three new movies, a new live action TV show, the first live action TV show. Mm-hmm. And a new animated show, plus now another new season of an animated show we already loved in, what, five years? But I'll also state this much. But if there's anyone beyond George Lucas who knows what Star Wars is and isn't, it is his storytelling apprentice, Dave Filoni, the supervising director of this. Because yes. I, I, when you stack up the stories 
of Rebels and Clone mm-hmm. Wars, they hold up to the scrutiny of of anyone. Yes. Yeah, there are many episodes in, in all of these shows where you go, eh, that's not really my Star Wars, or that's not the themes or things I'm as interested in Star Wars. But on the whole, they're so consistently wrapped up in that Hollywood, you know, 1930s yeah. serials, mythology, sci fantasy soup. And yeah. I think the thing about it is like when you look at this, I don't think a single person who watched this would find this episode unappealing, right? Yeah. And one of the fun things about it is like it's chock full of old being recontextualized. Now we kind of get to meet Captain Akbar and yep. what he was before. We uh, get to learn that Koreans speak basic. We're, we learn that unlike the EU, the Moncal live underwater. They don't live in cities on top of the water. It it really changed a lot of what people thought the Mon Calamari civilization was before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it all fits and works and we didn't really complain that much. Same yeah. thing with like when we have all this new stuff, scuba troopers, su- scuba, you know, um, battle droids. When we have this three-dimensional war and do lasers work under underwater and why don't the lightsabers bubbles? We get all of these answers and they're just, you know, there was an internet culture back then and we weren't as mad because we're like, sweet, it's Akbar. This is really cool. Yeah. And it's it's an amazing kickoff yeah. to um, Clone Wars. Because I'll be honest, until Clone Wars, the last episode, the sixth season that came out originally on Netflix, I don't think you ever had a battle of this level of intensity really before or after. There is so many obvious on-screen deaths. There is such a phonetic pace. There yeah. are so many combatants shooting so many lasers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if the water just made it easier to render or what, but from a production standpoint, these are some of the most complex and active scenes in the entire show. Yeah, it really is. I, you know, I think one of the things about this episode that's so cool is it isn't the best episode, hmm. but it's a representative of what the show is. Yes. And I think it's great at that. And I think it's a great episode to check out. The parts two and three of it are also really, really awesome. Where we get some deeper deeper plots and, 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 it, and it goes well. And again, they do a great job of everyone has some great little character moments. We meet this prince. We see him evolve. We see Captain Akbar, and we see the Captain Akbar. Oh, why is he the admiral of the uh, Republic Forces? Because he's really good at fighting wars. <laughs> like, he is a very competent fighter. Very much so. He lets people have it. And it was fun also to see Anakin kind of having to try and be the responsible reserved one, which is funny because <laughs> like Akbar is such a gun ho charge forward kind of guy. Yes, but, very much so. Um, And again, seeing Ahsoka be more independent, seeing Kit Fisto kind of, you know, get out there and do some fun stuff. And Amidala being stuck in that place of wanting to negotiate, but having to pull her blaster and be capable of fighting a war when yeah. she needs to. It's and I like fun. that there was really never the, oh, she's kind of in distress. No, not you at know, all. The, the, and, and not that, Padme isn't a capable character, and I'm not saying anything like that. But that's just such an obvious thing you could do. But yeah. that's not Anakin's concern here. Anakin's well, concern here is the prince, and I like that. You know, and I also like the other thing with with yeah. Padme. I also like is is well, negotiations are over. Time for heavy negotiations. Pulls blaster. Like she's yeah. never like, well, negotiations have failed. Like I guess I'll fall to the back lines, and we'll think about like she understands that this is a war and that diplomacy has failed and that they have to finish this battle so they can try and get back to the negotiating table. Yes. And it's, it's great. Cause it allows, it allows for a strong female war hero. Yes, totally. 
So, uh, great ep. Very, very, very well done. Yeah, I really, really do like this episode a lot. And I, I really do remember when it first came out, the premiere, because it showed this in the second episode mm-hmm. of this arc the same night, and just going like, whoa, they've been really working between season three and four. They've got a lot more tech. Because <laughs> um, this was an impressive bump. Yeah. Um, and I still think the most weird thing about this episode to comment on, they do this amazing three-episode arc of this underwater combat and then I don't think they ever use these assets like ever again. I think this is the only time we see the scuba troopers. This is the only time we see like the um, the 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 um, the Medusas, the battle droids, the Corian, yeah, the yeah. Mon Cal. Like we hardly ever see any of these. So from a production standpoint, they in Clone Wars were always reusing every part of the Buffalo because the most expensive thing is to add and rig new models. Mm-hmm. So like, you'll see like, Oh, well, what's this building? Actually, it's that one crate we used to have. We turned it upside down and, and changed one side and now it's a building. Go with it. Like <laughs> they constantly had to do that because of the limitations of their resources. And this to me is going to, Hey guys, we finally got a budget that exceeds our goals. <laughs> because <laughs> it it's it's a pricey episode and it and it's such a great season premiere it it it, it really really is uh so if this if you're someone out there who's been enjoying the clone war since 2008 well hey i'm i'm happy to join you here <laughs> if you are someone who like me for a number of years found it tough to get into the art style of the clone wars uh or you know tried it and maybe got turned away by the first season or so uh, I, I promise you, promise you, promise you, it's worth your time. Watch it chronologically. There's a checklist on StarWars.com. Officially. Check it out. It's really great. Six seasons, season seven coming soon. Uh, absolutely love it. It's a great part of Star Wars. And if you haven't tried it in a while and you've never watched it the full way through, give it another chance. And the last thing i just say about Clone Wars in general, it makes the prequels feel so much bigger than they were. And it makes that universe feel ready to become the one we see in the original trilogy. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Clone Wars, man. Awesome. Ready to talk about a piece of tech instead? Uh, Yeah. From a different TV show. Can you whistle? (whistles) You you can't. (whistles) I worked on it for like two years straight once and couldn't get it and gave up. I like whistling. Whistling's fun. All right, well, let's talk about whistling next. from underwater to a planet that doesn't have much water a roughly volcanic planet called navarro and what's on there a little 
covert, a collection of Mandalorians living in secret. Yes. Allowing only one to leave at a time. Yes, can't let the Emperor know they're here. No, because of all the turmoil the Mandalorian people have gone through. Yeah. But there is one Mandalorian who does go above the surface. He does there bounty is. hunting, and after a particularly special job, he returns to the to the covert and, uh, well, gets some new gear. Rich in Beskar, our hero returns for a upgrade. Armor upgrade. Yeah. All right. We're talking about The Mandalorian, the Disney Plus series that premiered in 2019. And specifically, we're getting into just as we start tipping our toes into talking about Mandalorian. We're not really ready. It's still new enough. It's only three months old. We're not really ready to dive into all of it. So we're going to go into those little facets. And in um, at the end of episode two, I think. Is that three. Right? Is it three? So three yeah, starts... middle of episode three. Oh, That's right, right. We're talking two, about. Um, we basically see that after what he's done in the first two episodes, he's paid very well in Beskar, which is also Mandalorian iron, a precious metal that is nearly indestructible, but can only be shaped in very special ways by highly specialized people, most of which are Mandalorians. So he meets the armorer and the armorer starts using that Beskar to melt it down to forge some items for him, one of which is to upgrade his armor. Mm -hmm. And we hear that he is a good guy, so the Mandalorian asks that some of the Beskar be saved for foundlings to help them be welcomed into this culture. And, of course, she obliges by that. And almost, not necessarily because of that, but it almost seems that way. She's like, well, you know what? Because you're being a good soul, I'm going to give you a little something extra. I'm going to give you some whistling birds. Mm-hmm. And the whistling birds are a type of weapon we have never seen in Star Wars. No, they are pretty darn unique. They are these tiny little metal cylinders, mm-hmm. um, actually sort of like a traditional bullet, like the About actual the, size, yeah. the actual internal, the part that the projectile yeah, of yeah, the bullet, yeah, yeah. not the, you know, the whole casing, but the, the actual, an actual bullet. Uh, and they go into his wrist gauntlet. Mm hmm. And does that have a specific name? Van Braces. Okay, gotcha. Uh, And, uh, well, we see him use them shortly later. Yeah, so later in that episode, he kind of gets like, hey, I've got all this new armor. Let me show you all the new tricks I have. And at one point, he uses them. Now, the armor refers to them as whistling birds are powerful defense against multiple enemies. Use them sparingly, for they are rare. Yes. And we kind of see why, because they're teeny tiny, but they're extremely technological. Yeah. Because what they are is basically self-shooting, self-seeking bullets yeah we don't get to see any internal um information from the mando's helmet here so we have to assume the bullets are doing this all of their on their own Uh, right or or i mean the thing about it is a lot of people refer to the mandalorian as feeling like a video game because you're like collecting skill trees you're upgrading your armor yeah there's a certain progression that feels like video games so you can also imagine kind of imagine like in a video game you've tagged multiple opponents and you press a button and then you all just get shot at at the same time yeah, exactly uh and we see him here in this same episode use them on some stormtroopers mm-hmm. and it takes them out instantly and punches right through their plastic steel armor like it's not there yeah. so these things have to be insanely high velocity yes and they have a little just like a little just tiny blue tinge to them to show that their technology and they make mm-hmm. a whistling sound as they kind of wing themselves up and just yeah. shoot right through people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's brutal because it's just 
they're down. There's, they are. It's almost too quiet for the death, how violent their death is. It's really fun, though, because it is kind of that saving grace moment. Oh, where, yeah. Where, you know, using them only when they're absolutely necessary. Now, there is a moment later in the show where he attempts mm-hmm. to use them again, right? Right. Mac, when was that? So the thing about it is, um, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes. And I just realized something we uh, didn't mention. Oh, go ahead. Um, so uh, the biggest thing is he uh, uses them against uh, Berg, the debt. Uh, yeah. D- uh, I'm going to miss out the word. Deveronian? Deveronian. Deveronian? So we have a Deveronian who is awesome because he's played by Clancy Brown. He's just so big. That's his thing. He's big. He's big in all dimensions, all directions, except intelligence. Um, And on a later episode where they're kind of trapped in a ship, he tries to use them and they they don't work. (laughs) They can't get through a Deveronian. Yeah, because he's big. He's thick. He's thick. And you kind of get the idea that they are a defensive weapon. They are a last resort. They're not meant for offense because if they were, they would be a lot more powerful. Yeah. They're they're literally meant to well and, and he kind of uses them this way. He launches whistling barrels, which is not killing him, but enough of a distraction for him to have made an action. He doesn't really capitalize on that. But the point is they they do kind of do their job of they hassle um Berg at least yeah. for a moment. Yeah. Uh but that's okay because So the question is now is he out? Huh? Is he out of whistling birds? I don't know. Because we don't know if he reloads on them at the end of the season. And and we get the impression he can't craft more. That seems yeah. like something that's rare. And maybe even when the armor says rare, maybe it's because no one can build them anymore because Mandalore is op- occupied. So yeah. there may no be way. There may be no refresh. You may only be able to scavenge them. Wow. So we might have we might be done with whistling birds. We might have seen. All there is to see? Have they been in anything else? Not that I'm aware of. Well, there is one other thing. This is why I was looking at my note and went, oh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this. So um, there is a moment where we have a bounty hunter called um, Carib Dis, who uh, had a Mandalorian, uh, they called it a rocket gauntlet, but a Vambrace, um, that has whistling birds. And he was um, kind of playing around and noticed the equipment while he's on Kojima. I believe it's from one of the comics. Let me just see if I can find the reference because I didn't write that down. Yeah, okay. You said when he was on Kojima? Oh, no. This originally came from... I saw this on the Wikipedia. This originally came from a Mandalorian... The Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary. Really? Is it in the Kojima section? They're talking about a Van Kojimi. 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 Yeah. Kojimi. Did I not say Kojima? I think you were saying Kojima. Kojima. Like no, no, Kojima makes Metal games. Gear. Yeah. 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 No. Kojima. I could see making that Freudian slip, so I apologize yeah. if I did. But, You're good. But Kojima. 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 Um, which they say it like 18 times induced. in a row in that movie. Yeah, but they also uh, said Exegol, and the second we left that theater, we couldn't remember yeah, it. true. We could not remember Exegol. Exegol. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. heard that, go back to our Rise of Skywalker yeah. after after seated yeah. uh, special. special. Our fourth two. most popular episode ever. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, That's crazy, good. right? Um, uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It gets more hilarious the further we get and the more information we know about that movie. Yes, it does. Not as funny as our previous special, which was our predictions, all of which, basically all of which were wrong. Hey, I said it was going to end on Tatooine. And you were right. And it that did. did. It that did. did. There wasn't much else I got right. Um, but like uh, I said, so we've seen a little bit of Whistling Birds. And of course, yeah. the biggest thing is the Mandalorian <laughs> is only going to give us more 
information about Mandalorian culture. It already has just yeah. info dumped tons into tons it. Tons of stuff. Um, but it's pretty cool because the Whistling Birds also sets up a thing of we almost have an animalistic name to a lot of Mandalorian equipment. Yeah. Um, which kind of gives it a cool tribal, um, vaguely Native American or tribal yeah, I know people kind of feel. I know what you mean. Sure. Because um, it has a... It makes it sound like it's not tech, right? That it's yeah. it's a gift. It's these yes. these holy weapons. And yes. again, just to quote the Mandalorian, makes sense because, as he says, he can't give up all of his weapons. It's kind of his religion. <laughs> <laughs> so well, hopefully, in years to come, we'll have more cool Mandalorian tech to talk about. Oh, absolutely. And and as we get going, like especially when we get to this summer, Max Impulse Control will fail, and we will be talking about. A lot of the Mandalorian. I'm ready for that. I'm I ready want to give people that. to find people to catch up, but it is my favorite thing Star Wars has produced in a long time. But so, that's also because it's tailored specifically for me. Very much is. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Yeah. Has anyone out there yet uh, downloaded all eight episodes, stripped the DRM, and removed the uh, the title cards and the and the 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 uh, credits, and just made a giant four hour movie? I mean, you could. It would make me sad, but it would, it would be really, let's be honest, it would be, be really awkward only because oh, there's yeah. so many scene changes. Oh, it would definitely be awkward, but maybe not as, I want to see it is what I'm saying. I want to see hey, what that experience is. If someone could take is. all of The Hobbit and, and field strip that thing down to a tighter four hour movie that's just the parts from the book, I'm sure there are nerds from the camp of the despecialized edition in that level of scrutiny and crazy time on their hands who yeah. are making Mandalorian season one yeah. the movie i mean maybe it'll be me maybe it will be you you never know if you figure out drm stripping from a streaming service i guess screen capture i mean i guess it couldn't be let's not get into how piracy works yeah we're not going to talk about this uh, right now because it would can... only be for educational purposes for well the, the point of the matter is i'm sure someone has made it available online because People don't want to pay for Disney Plus, and that's the only way to see it. So I'm sure. Yeah, if you're in other sure countries, a uh, you still can't watch it legally, and that's not ridiculous. Yet. So well, it's <laughs> thank not enough international copyright agreements to protect things on a global scale, because that's usually the problem: is trying to get all the Disney content. They're not going to launch in every country until they can launch all the things in every country. It's the oh, same, no, I get it. It's I the same it, reason that Amazon doesn't exist out of North America. I, get, I just I hope that's not the case for future seasons. Well, I hope that everybody gets gets their chance to see this sooner than later. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Hopefully once every country has Disney Plus season two will drop on the same day for everyone. There's no reason to so. think it won't. I hope so. Yeah. yeah All right. Great. It's it's. Yeah, I would be I would be killing people if it's like, oh yeah, there's the new Star Wars show. It's only in England. You have to have BBC and be a British citizen to see it. Like, oh, I'm stealing that. I can't wait. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. You ready to talk about some lightsaber construction? I am. All right. From let's... one weapon to another weapon. <laughs> let's get our laser swords ready. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. 
whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders, that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. These are them. I swear they get younger every expedition. All have passed the gathering. Yes, sir. Are you sure? But he's a droid. You expect us to learn from a droid? Who said that? Many years I have been on this ship, teaching many a Jedi before you, and I will continue teaching many a Jedi after you. Call me what you want, but inside my memory banks, I contain a record of every lightsaber ever made, and the Jedi who fashioned them. Which will you choose? A simple grip? The curved approach? One inlaid with the bone of the Cartusian whale, Bastilian ore, or Black Onk? Well? From battles of Rashfond to the peacekeeping of Parleyok to our very own Clone Wars, the lightsaber is a Jedi's only true ally. <sighs> Crossing back and forth between the f many Jedi temples in the galaxy, primarily Coruscant, a ship travels between them and the planet Ilum to collect crystals. It's known as the Crucible. Mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. a journey that every youngling goes on to find the crystal that belongs to them, which will form the heart of their lightsaber. Once they've done that, they meet a particular person that's touched the lives of every living Jedi through the Clone Wars. For a thousand years, he has been helping Jedi construct lightsabers. And that is Huang. Huang is a little bit different than you'd expect from the Jedi Order because he's not quite alive. That's right. He's an architect droid, a Mark IV architect droid. Now, there's not a really a lot of context for what that means, but that's what Huang is. Now, we meet him here because a group of Jedi Padawan have captured their crystals from the planet Ilum in the last episode. The Gathering. And now they here are with Ahsoka aboard this ship learning to build their lightsabers. And of course, there's the moment where the droid has to take them all to school of like, how are we going to learn to build a lightsaber from you? You're just a droid. And he's like, I've got a memory bank of every lightsaber and their user for the last thousand years. And the kid's like, oh. And I love how the, the droid is like, when you could think of a question I can't answer, then ask me. Here, I'm just going to read this verbatim. Put some down. Because it's so good. Yeah, go From for From the it. battles of Rashford to the peacekeeping of Parleyok to our very own Clone Wars, the lightsaber is a Jedi's only true ally. But how do they work? Hmm? Yes, you've got me crystals, but they're useless unless you give them life. Do you know how to awaken the force within the crystal? No? Then I suggest you listen and learn, unless you can think of a question this droid cannot answer. <laughs> it's he's such very, a great dress He's very down. a matter of fact about it. By the way, this episode is called A Test of Strength. Oh, good, good call. Yeah, I, I did want to point that out. 
Um, but he's he's so cool because we see him, uh, you know, talking to the Jedi and, you know, describe your lightsaber, hold out a hand. What does it look like to you before they've built anything? And then he gets into this moment of his little Willy Wonka act of, oh, where will we find these pieces out here? And then he just starts going through all of his drawers. All of his mechanical arms come out and we he's see pulling his mechanical out. arms on his back. And he's just yeah. moving through this aisle, kicking drawers open, grabbing the grabbing them. And he's just you can feel just how well he knows everything in here. Yes. Considering how much stuff is around him oh it's so great thousands upon thousands of these drawers for different parts and emitters and cablings and it's amazing and i love him because he's a droid we we know droids but this one feels like he is old he feels like he's steam powered almost yeah like his he's got these eyelids that kind of close and open slowly and he's kind of got an automaton face he reminds me of the one torture droid from java's palace Mm -hmm. where he's kind of got this fixed mask of a face yeah. Um and he kind of has these real sharp jaw lines which also give yeah. him some age. Um and uh well we, we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh David Tennant who is the star of Doctor Who, he just like come off of that job is the voice mm-hmm. here. So he's got this great high fluted uh British accent which is almost a prototype of the work he'll eventually do for Disney as like Scrooge McDuck on the relaunched uh DuckTales series. He he's- plays Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, and and he and he fits it. He brings some of that tenacity, but also age and wisdom in this character. That's why How I said fun kind is of like that? produces that. David Tennant's a weird guy. He does a lot of cool stuff. But he's he's good here. Yeah. Good and here. and he does a good job of it's not a particularly large role, but he gives it a lot of gravitas. And like you yeah. said, you feel this is an old, wise droid. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of see him go through the first testing, kind of showing this by, like, forcing the Wookiee apprentice to, like, imagine the, the weapon. And then, because he's a droid, he can understand uh, Shuwook. He's just like, wood. Oh, yes, that's an interesting. Don't use that very often. <laughs> Where will we find that? And the thing I would say that is kind of impossible to not see in this. Yeah. It's heavily influenced by, like, all of Anders from Harry Potter. We get the idea of this very interesting person who is maybe immortal. He just seems like he's been around so long and knows yes. so much without ever having to yes. describe that. You just feel that. And you see him going around and going like, hmm, would this do? Hmm. Looks at it. Looks back at the, the user. No, not that. Like, <laughs> I just constantly is trying to tailor or fit these components to its users. Yeah. And I, and it's awesome. Like, frankly, I think it's a really cool thing to have in the Star Wars universe. Uh, I want to see this droid in film. You yeah. know, if we ever get a movie that takes place before Episode One, I'd I'd love to see this droid come back. I'd uh, I'd watch a whole movie that's just Padawans going to Ilum to find their crystals. Well, and the thing that's interesting is he he delivers the line with a lot of authority of, "I know every lightsaber made by every Jedi." So at least for a thousand years, which means he's been with the Jedi Order longer than Yoda. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Yoda got his lightsaber first built with this guy. Yes. Like that, that is a character that sounds amazing and yes. has a way longer life. Yes. Um, but really outside of these episodes, he doesn't exist 
much in Star Wars. Yeah, he appears in one comic. So uh, Age of Republic, the special, which is basically, if you don't know, they did Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance. They did these comic runs that were like one-shot comics. A one-shot comic is a single issue. And this special is interesting because not only is it a single issue in this line, but it's broken down into multiple stories inside the issue. So each story is only a handful of pages. So the story he appears in is a Mace Windu story um and basically it's a flashback where Mace Windu has been captured by these villains and mm-hmm. he is uh you know basically being held hostage by them and uh they show him his laser sword has been broken down into all of its pieces and they go without your weapon you know you you are useless you are alone the jedi will never be able to find you down here and he goes well yeah, the only way they'd be able to find me down here is if I was able to send a, a message through the Force, a signal through the Force, letting them know where I was. And he goes, that's the second power I learned as a Jedi. <laughs> and they go, what was the first? And it shows this flashback to him with Yuang, uh, I assume on the Crucible, yeah. building his lightsaber. And if you don't know, Jedis build their lightsabers with their mind. They have to do it telekinetically. Yes. Okay. And so he goes, oh, that what was the first? And it, and it cuts to this flashback. And it's basically his lightsaber that in another panel is clicking together inside of the box that they've dismantled it in. And it's, you know, and that kicks off. And the then behind scene. them, the activation goes and they're like, oh, and he's like, building my lightsaber comes to his yeah. hand. <laughs> That's good. Because, yeah, I think what we basically establish is we... We use this series of episodes to talk about how younglings go to become Jedi. And we mm-hmm. learned the history of a lightsaber. So we went to Ilum. We find how the crystal chooses you, not the other way around kind of thing. And then we come here and we find there's this architect droid. He helps you figure out the materials, the components, and the, con- the general mechanical construction. But he's guiding you to using the force to realize what should your lightsaber look like? What should it feel like? Should it have two blades, one blade? What what should it be like? And he guides you through that process, but the but he's just telling you what you need to do with the force. So we see him assemble them, but obviously like he's assembling them technologically. They'll never be awake or alive or connected to the user. Yeah. The bringing the crystal to life is you put it at the heart of it through the force and that you assemble its casing around it through the force. Yeah. And that way, by the end, you know, every bolt, you know, every wire, it is your weapon extension of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. It's just great. Yeah. He does appear a little bit more in this episode. Well, he's a big character in this episode and then it is a hanger on in the next couple, but essentially he helps fight. He gets dismembered. He's just tagging along as part of the group. This is really his only moment to shine. I think. Yeah, he's he's the other teacher next to Ahsoka. Ahsoka's like the teacher's yeah. aide you're cool with, and then he's like the professor in class that you're like gotta actually like pay attention. There's a great part where one of the younglings is just really like energetic, and he's like, like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna duel Obi Wan Kenobi, and this is gonna be the lightsaber that kills Count General Grievous. I'm gonna be a war hero, and then the <laughs> droid comes over, puts his little jeweler's glass over his one eye. He's like. The only thing you're going to do is kill yourself. You put the emitter back backwards. It's just going to shoot back into the power yeah. pack and blow up in your hand. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Oh, man, this droid is awesome. He's fascinating. We need and him he makes Star Wars. Yeah, we keep talking about the stuff that we love the most is the stuff that makes Star Wars a more fascinating, deeper, bigger place. Yes. And the idea that a droid for a thousand years has been 
assembling lightsabers with each Jedi as they come of age is wild. It is. It is. It's so much fun. And just reiterates why the Clone Wars is such a fun show. All right, man. That was great. That was a lot of fun. It's nice to talk about some TV. And I hope we get to talk about this particular topic more because I'm with you. I really hope he comes back because he's super fascinating. Yeah, we could use. I mean, they put him in a comic like recently within the last, what, six months? He still remembers. So that's pretty rad. It is. All right. All right. Let's uh, get out of here. Yeah, let's wrap this thing. Yet another episode of Star Wars All In comes to a close. It does. Uh, I feel good about this one. Uh, I'm not hitting my normal Star Wars post-holiday lull Which that I normally good. hit. Normally after a movie, these last couple years, all this build-up going to the holidays, a new movie comes out, and then January, February, March, you know, right before we get to the hype of May, I go through normally my biggest Star Wars withdrawal of the year. I'm still reading Star Wars books and generally still watching Star Wars movies, but beyond that, I'm not as... But you're kind of like, it's time to put Star Wars on the shelf and go look at some other things. Yeah, take a break, right? Catch up on some of the TV I've missed and whatnot. Normally, I'm watching a lot of Oscar movies this time of year, typically. Yeah. Uh, And this year, I've just decided that sort of naturally, sort of just kind of by happenstance, that Star Wars is still going strong. I don't know if it's with Clone Wars coming back in a month. I did just finish my Clone Wars rewatch, so that's what I've been up to. Mm-hmm. Um, finished that up, which was great. Uh, my overall rating for the Clone Wars, 8.77. So oh. I ranked each episode out of 10 as I watched them, and then, you know, added and divided An and aver- figured it out and figured out the average. Math. Yeah, And uh, so 8.77 is my that's average pretty, episode rating. That's pretty so, uh, good. So round that up, I think that's a 9 out of 10. That's, that's really yeah. good for an entire run, because, I mean, how many episodes yeah. are there? Uh, 100 and some, 120 yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a good run. So I'm about, I'm about halfway through Rebels season two right now. Now Rebels, I not only have seen more recently than Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, I've seen Rebels more completely. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched some of Rebels, you know, multiple times, uh, because basically Rebels is kind of by season two, season three of Rebels is sort of what finally hooked me with Star Wars animation when we were getting some of the Ahsoka stuff and some of the Maul stuff and Ezra and Kanan and all of these characters. I I finally kind of became uh, uh, interested. Mm -hmm. And so I got to a point where I was really hooked on Rebels by the time it ended. And then I'm like, all right, well, I got to do my Clone Wars rewatch. Like I finally understand Star Wars animation and I started it. And then it left Netflix, and I only own the first two seasons, so I've been waiting. Finally did my rewatch. Loving it. Love having Disney+. Plus. Love having it there. It's worth eight bucks a month just to have Rebels and Clone Wars. And Well, now yeah. it has pretty much all of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, Ewok give us Ewoks and, and Droids. I say. Give us Caravan of Courage. Give us Battle for Endor, you oh, cowards. Give us, oh. Uh, give oh, us the give holiday us special. Listen. Listen. Come on. Come on. Come on, Lucasfilm. 
give it to us. If you want to give, give us, us all the Star Wars, Clone Wars, give us all yeah. of Star yeah. Wars. Now there is something to be said where they've only given us canon. We have not gotten the. Oh, it's fine. Bring in shows. droids. Put a big old gold thing over top. It says Legends. Yes, we have a Legends banner now. You could do the Tarakoski Clone Wars and put the Legends banner on it. And you should, because that series is also amazing in its own way. Yes, it is. Uh, boy, I had a great time. A lot of fun episode. Uh, I'm still uh, haven't no no updates on any other Star Wars. Still reading some Star Wars Legends books. Updates on those coming very soon. That's awesome, man. I'll be honest. I've been a little bit low key, but that's because like December was so packed with Star Wars. We were busy between Fallen Order, Mandalorian, and Rise. Like there, there's a lot. So yeah, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily in a wall as much as I'm. I'm in that meditative period of soaking in. Like, yeah. well, how do I feel about all these Star Wars experiences I've had? Yeah, we were just talking before we started recording. Like, we both only made it to see Rise of Skywalker three times. Yeah. Um, some motivation issues, some planning issues, some. Medical sickness <laughs> issues. Yeah. yeah, we've both been sick at one uh, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I'm excited to go into it. The uh, the digital release, which I'm sure will be probably in March or April, uh, with you know almost like a fresher set of eyes, not having burned it into my brain in the theater. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, and the future looks bright and. We don't have to wait too long for more Clone Wars and more new Star Wars because yeah. it's the Clone end of the Wars month. is back this month, baby. It's gonna uh, be great. We've got a Project Luminous amount announcement at the end of the month, supposedly. Yes, yes. So there is a lot happening in the world of the wars. Always in motion, the future is. And, yeah, some uh, Jedi said that, and we'll we'll be here reporting on it and uh, and and marinating in all the new Star Wars with you yeah. as we go through the year. Yeah. So uh, thanks for joining us here yeah. on Star Wars. All we want to get we want our topics to get weird. Oh, I want them to get weird. I'm with you. Yeah. So let's make it happen. Uh, let us know what topics you like. Star Wars All In on Twitter and Instagram. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Ross. And I'm Mac. And Mac. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.